Welcome to Your Untamed Life, the podcast bringing you stories of transformation, growth, fear, success, alignment, challenges, and more, with the intention to inspire you and light you up to find your unaligned path of transformation and let it unfold in front of you without letting fear hold you back. I'm Amanda Petra, your host and passionate human being. Without further ado, let's get started. Just ignore me, like taking hips. What are you taking? Water clips. Mushrooms. Yeah, the, the life cycle stuff. Mm, yeah, okay. I haven't tried yet. It yeah, does it for me because it's got a bit of alcohol in there. So it's probably the alcohol more than the herbs, but I'll say it's the herbs. So you're enjoying the alcohol though. You're like, yeah, it's just calming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I take it because like around this time, instead of like having coffee, I have cordyceps and that's what I always recommend to people from like an adaptogenic. Mm-hmm. So like you get, you know, smooth energy, like it actually, what you see in the ads and I love cordyceps because we use, we use it a lot in Chinese medicine, but it's a brand that I like really enjoy. And so when I recommend it to people, it's just like, they get sort of the same effect and it's a way that people get off coffee because it's part of my regime for people having fucking full, yeah, they or espressos a day and living off adrenaline and cortisol. I was like, hey, let's just um, let's just get down down to two, yeah, and let's just try some cordyceps or some you know some other mushrooms to stabilize your blood sugar levels and whatever else. And um, generally works whether it's a ritual or whether it's you know the herb itself. It's doing something same as me. You know, I only recommend it because I've used it. Yeah, I agree. Because sometimes it is a ritual too. I just drink decaf coffee now, and I swear I'm still like. I have more energy. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense though. <laughs> but, Whatever works is what I tell people. Yeah. Yeah. And I even remember like, you know, drinking, I drank, what did I drink? Soda water and lime. And it like triggered this like feeling of being drunk because, <laughs> because oh, I yes. only used to drink soda water, lime, vodka. And like, that was my brain associated with those two things together. So I was like, oh no, I feel kind of a buzz on. <laughs> it's just soda water. <laughs> Whatever works. Because Whatever then you'd be works. more creative. Yeah. Agree. Get all those creative juices flowing and you know, all your inhibitions go down by default. That's true. Amazing. That's true. I'm gonna try that on people. Make them drink vodka, lime, and soda, and then a month later I'll get them to take it off and let them tell me how they feel. Yeah, it was like a really strong association my brain must have had with that. It was so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) You're just hitting it every day. (laughs) I never used to really drink that. Like that was the only time I would drink soda water and lime was with that vodka. So yeah, yeah. It's a clean drink, if you can call that, you know, a clean drink. <laughs> yeah, none of it is. I don't drink at all now. Do you still drink? Ironically, on 100 days, 100 days, 16th of April was my last drink. I haven't had an ounce of anything. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm going to see how long I can push it. And that's like several motivating factors, but primarily I just don't want to get Alzheimer's dementia. Mm. Like the research coming out is pretty compelling. And I'm like, you know what? I really want to play the long game with my brain and my health and my kids. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what? Let's just see how I feel and sort of document it. So I'm documenting it in like a journal and my phone and got like a whole calendar thing, taking it off. And, you know, there's some weeks where I'm just like, you know, I, I really want to have that one drink with dinner. But then I'm like, yeah, but then that's, that's the, that's the trap. It is like trip. that everyone falls into and then but yeah no I think about yeah whatever date I think I'm closing 100 days and then I'm gonna see how long I can push it and the same thing because I teach all my clients all this stuff like so I like to not be hypocritical so whether it's the coffee and the cordyceps or whether it's like the alcohol I'm always like hey try this out and they're like do you fucking drink well actually I'm on 100 days mm. <laughs> yeah I like it yeah I, I put my body not to be hypocritical yeah well a lot of look it's gonna sound really bad but a lot of practitioners are you know yeah. and doctors and 
you know, there's people that I see that don't know how much I'm going to put in the podcast, but there's this space that is opening up, which is like the whole trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people becoming like trauma coaches and they haven't even dealt with their own trauma. And that's really scary. Yeah. Cause it's like, go deal with your own shit. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, or like there's people that are out there like coaching people on nutrition and it's just like, uh, you have a problem with food yourself. Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like go deal with that wholeheartedly because again, it's like me telling people come off the booze and I'm drinking every day. Yeah. You know, I don't know how to, to get off the coffee or whatever else. And I just find that extremely critical. And I find that the world of social media has really bred these sort of people. And I don't know, I'm all about being authentic. Mm-hmm. And, and congruent. Congruent mm. is like my word lately. Try to be congruent. 100%. And people feel it. Yeah, I agree. People do feel it. I kind of get where, why they do it. I've noticed like the kind of content I want to put out is always like kind of what I'm going through. But mm. maybe they're, they're spinning it too hard of being like, well, I can help you, even though like your process of helping yourself kind of thing, like kind of don't put that out yet. But social media is skewing the lines too much for everyone, I think. Oh, 100%. And for me, it's like, I'm not one of those people that cares about the credentials. You know, there's, there's a lot of practitioners out there that be like, you know, I have a nutrition degree and a naturopathy degree. It's a bachelor's or master's and whatever it is. And you just have a weekend course, you know, whatever it is. And then we've got people say like Olivia, who has a background in personal training, extensive knowledge, and I respect her nutritional knowledge and understanding of blood work more than I do a lot of naturopaths, you know, that I know are out there just spinning rubbish. So it's not about credentials. It's like, all right, cool. Where are you coming from? Are you hitting the books? Are you upgrading your education? Where are your sources from? And a lot of them don't do it. Yeah. And she actually lives in congruency with what she says, I think as well. So hundred percent. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Both of you changed my life. Oh my God. We're going to start. So then hello listeners. Welcome, Peter. I am so glad we could do this chat and, you know, share what you do with the world as well as your story. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So nice to see your face again. Okay, I'd love to intro you a little bit because I have so much to say. Tell me when I'm wrong. Okay. So Peter Mejia, is that Ooh, how you say good it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right on already. Fucking nailed it. My opinion of you is you're a genius of holistic therapies. And today we're going to talk about acupuncture, Chinese medicine, women's health, and more. And I love the unique way that you combine everything that you do and really want to share that part of it. You achieve incredible results, life-changing results. I am a picture of that. I am one of those people whose lives you've changed. And I just can't wait to share with everyone how what you do changes people's lives. You're not the only acupuncturist that does this, but your take on it is amazing. And the way that you really focus on women's health is really amazing and what we need desperately in this world. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, it's literally just a joy to do every day. You never get tired of it. And that's why I know that I'm living my dream and doing the work that I really love doing. It's literally a love every day. Wow. I need to know how you found this. Okay. We're going to dig into that in the minute, (laughs) in a minute. Everyone's view of acupuncture seems to be kind of skewed. So this is really why I wanted to do this. Like even in my day-to-day life, people kind of have this odd view of it, or they don't know what it is or dry needling kind of muddied up their whole picture of it. So Mm -hmm. I really need to clear that up. But I want to say as well, you know, acupuncture, if it's done right, you can sleep through it. Like when the needling's being done, when you did it to me, like how many times did I sleep through it? Oh, I came in with many of my patients and still do with their mouth open, drooling. Yeah. And I'm just like, I didn't feel any of that. It was amazing. But then after you just feel absolutely incredible. Yep. 
So maybe we can start with what you do right now at Holistic Minds and Holistic Bodies, which is currently in the Gold Coast, used to be in Melbourne. So we mm -hmm. could maybe start there. Yeah, so essentially my clinic is a women's health-based wellness clinic, but it has a heavy focus on using acupuncture to get the results that we do. That's not all that we do. So, you know, I have a background in studies in naturopathy, then I transitioned into the Chinese med, and then, you know, sort of like anyone else, once I graduated, I went on to study with lots of different people and I've synthesized everyone's knowledge and continuing knowledge really to bring the best that I can to every single session with every single woman. And a lot of the things that I love seeing in the clinic are things like endometriosis, adenomyosis, thyroid dysfunction, fourth trimester, and you know, the mom that's sort of really burnt out. So that might be the fourth trimester or that might be later on in life where they're burnt out. So the perimenopausal phase. So a lot of complex health issues that surround women. And a lot of the inspiration comes or, or continues to come because every single week I have new patients and every single week I get the chance to hear the story of an individual's journey in their health. And a lot of the time, even though I'm a man, I can, for some odd reason, maybe it's like a past life thing, mm -hmm. can really connect with them and, you know, really try and empathize with them and be like, cool, I think that suffering stops now. And I think that I'm going to try and arm this individual within the space of my clinic with as much knowledge as possible to take small steps that lead to big results in their life. So endometriosis, that would look like, you know, the ability to conceive, that would look like significantly reduced menstrual flow, significantly reduced pain or no pain with some of my clients, all around just a better quality of life. And that is the purpose of my clinic. And I absolutely love doing this, you know, when I'm here at the clinic. So at my clinic in Burley Heads three days a week, I also have a practitioner that works with me, Emma. And so this is what we do. This is like our jam. I, I do monstrous days with people and people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, when you love something this much, it's pretty easy. And when you love something this much and you see people suffering and you know, you don't have all the answers. I'm inspired by the fact that I will finish at 7 PM, 8 PM, and I'll still go home and read more about research. I'll do a course. I'm always dedicating almost an hour every day to learning something that I don't know that is often related to women's health. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And it's so interesting how you said you love when people come in with these problems, but like, I love that they come in to see you with these problems too, because they found you and you are usually the end point of their suffering. And it's just absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. It's honestly an honor to, to be part of anyone's health journey. It's, you know, the fact that people share their stories with me so openly, you know, I have so much gratitude for females because like, like I said before, I know I'm a man. I know when I step in that room, that's, you know, there are some females that have that hesitancy. And then, you know, as they start to feel the energy of the room, in a way they feel grounded, they feel safe. They have that ability to say anything to me. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to judge them. And I'm going to come in with like an open heart and an open mind to dish out as much knowledge as I can to help that individual. I'm grateful. Like I just finished and, you know, I, I look up at the sky because I've got this beautiful view at my clinic and I'm like, I'm just so grateful for finishing my day and, and being given the opportunity for all the females and some men that have walked into the clinic. And yeah, it's just, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for the job, very grateful for the opportunity for, for the clients that come to me. 
Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely feel that gratitude. And yeah, you have a very grounding presence. I just, it's so interesting that you found this and this is like your gift. So cool. Like I remember when I walked into your room, I feel like I just shared yeah, my entire story. Like it just fell out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And every time I went there, I was like, here's more about my life. And then I would leave and be like, why did I just tell him? (laughs) So I'm I'm the keeper of many secrets. Yeah. I think you might be. If I may, I kind of want to maybe tell people what I experienced because you did change my life and what I experienced, you know, I didn't have something super serious, but it felt horrible. The body I was in felt horrible. I was, it was like three years ago and I felt like I was 60 years old. And today I feel like a spring chicken. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> Completely pain-free. And like, I just remember, you know, I was living in Melbourne and I can always picture myself like trying to get out of bed was painful. I remember I was always on the ground because my lower back hurt. I was wearing knee braces. I was taping my back, I was taping my wrist. I was just in pain constantly. And like just going to see you, we only did like four months. I think it was only four months from the beginning of lockdown to like into lockdown. And yeah, by the end of it, like I just felt no pain. I was stronger. I was in the best shape of my life because I actually also did in strength training. And also my partner came to see you and his sciatic is completely gone. And we're both like constantly pain free now. And yeah, I cannot believe I used to drive with a knee brace on because I had, you know, a manual car and trying to clutch with my knee and I would wear a knee brace. And now I don't. <laughs> just, well, yeah, it's wild. And yeah, you you helped me with my cycle as well. I've never been more connected to my cycle than I am now. And that's definitely because of you, the ripple effect of just you even asking those right questions, obviously. And mm. yeah, so thank you. Just wanted to share that. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> I cannot imagine like how you change other people's lives because yeah, mine wasn't even that serious, like I say, but I can't imagine where I would be now. I wouldn't be able to focus. Like I have an insane amount of focus now. And I remember then I was just constantly, you know, couldn't even type, couldn't do anything Mm. with my wrist. Yeah. Couldn't stand for long periods of time. I was always putting pain cream on or taking painkillers. How ridiculous. Ridiculous. But But I remember your case and I think it's important for people to understand. Yeah. um, Which is what I teach people when they come in. It's not just the needles. You know, people have to do the homework. So, you know, um, I remember treating you and I would give you exercises to do basic things that you'd have to take home and repeat, which a lot of people don't do. So, you know, the, the success is following the diet. It's, you know, what we do in the room is, is known as passive therapy where, you know, in that moment in time, we reduce pain, inflammation, all that sort of jazz. The real work comes when a person goes home. So mm-hmm. I think people, you know, and I think that's the misconception about acupuncture or, you know, a lot of these modalities, people come in and they expect a miracle, but part of that miracle, the perceived miracle is the treatment, but more importantly, the action that's taken once people step out of the clinic. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I spent a lot of time doing strange stretches. I still do a lot of those things where I walk on my heels because my ankles were weak. <laughs> and like Occasionally, if I feel it's that people coming back, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. But it was so worth doing because the reason we ended up doing it was because we knew it was helping. and. Yeah, we just knew if we didn't, we would end up on painkillers. So what a motivator. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, because, again, because people, you've got to really target people. Like, what do you want out of life? You know, people say to me, you're like, I really want to get back into running. Okay, cool. My next question is, what are you willing to do for that? And if, you know, the person's answer is, 
uh, and how they, you know, answer that question is really important. If people are like, oh, I want to get back in signing. And I'm like, yeah, but when and how and what are you willing to do? And they sort of, you know, like, oh, you know, it would be nice. It's like, all right, cool. Well, <laughs> we know that you're not going to be as dedicated mm-hmm. and you're relying quite heavily on the therapy to, to throw you a Hail Mary and, you know, sort of fix you. Um, so again, it's, um, it's having, it's, I think people need to come into a therapist and be really willing to make changes in their life. Some of them simple. And of course, some of them are going to be harder, but the end point is going to be amazing results. Mm-hmm. And the people that step into my clinic, if I'm not getting amazing results with you, I have a team of people to refer you out to because I'm not interested in bullshitting people. I'm interested in helping people. And I know that along the road of that journey, it's not always going to be me. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that I feel like is always the meth- the what we try and tell people, other people in business. Like if you're not trying to help people, like don't try and just sell to someone, like definitely make sure that you're helping them. And if you're not the answer to that, then move them on. Like. Oh, there's not a week that goes by that, um, like I said, I run a 98% women's health clinic. And there are some men that do come to the med clinic, but it's often through referral because they are the partner of a female. So the female often knows how I operate and, you know, what I'm like personality wise and that's sort of what the expectations are as far as like the homework that's sort of given. But there is every single week I get phone calls as you would with any clinic and people are like, oh, I have this. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's just not me. And a lot of people are like, why would you do that? Like why? And I'm like, because if I don't gel with you, if I don't resonate with you, if I know I can't help you. So a classic one would be like tinnitus which mm-hmm. is a really big problem. I'd rather tell you where to go instead of just being like, cool, I need to take on them for the purpose of money. Money is the byproduct of the passion and the love we have for our practice, not the sole purpose or the sole goal. And so for me, it's about, again, being authentic and telling people, hey, I know that you've heard of me or whatever, but that's just not me. That's not what, that's not within my scope to help, you know, tinnitus as an example, maybe try out this person. Mm-hmm. I don't need to help everyone. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, no, you kind of are though. <laughs> you, have- <laughs> well, you, you couldn't help Dylan with his tinnitus, but you did help Dylan with his, what was it? The jaw problem? The TMJ jaw stuff. TMJ, yes, that was crazy. I still tell people yeah. that. I'm like, he puts his fingers in your ears and then it's just fine. <laughs> it's horribly <laughs> painful. And then you're just pretty much fine after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, TMJ is like one of my specialties. It's just the most, it's the most intriguing, you know, thing to treat because there are so many connections in particular when it comes to females and the pelvic area mm-hmm. um you know postural changes the sort of gut issues parasites it's just a it's a fascinating joint that has so it's just so multifactorialist there's so many things affecting it so yeah it's one of my jams yeah and I just loved going into your clinic because yeah you explained things and you told people these kinds of things like there's bacteria there's whatever and like this correlates with your jaw like for some of your pelvis correlates with your jaw and like I learned so much just by being there and now when I read things not that I you know understand it all but now when I read things I'm always like but is it not connected to this because sometimes you read things and it's like talking about it like it's completely separate from the human body and I was like but everything's connected. (laughs) And what's really cool and that's I think that's why I love Chinese medicine because the Chinese medicine knew this stuff you know none of the stuff that I teach is new none of the stuff I teach is invented it's borrowed and elaborated on so that people can you know have a take home. So 
you know, in Chinese medicine, they knew a lot of these connections 5,000 years ago. They knew the connection between the micro and the macro, so ourselves and the environment and how the environment externally affects us, how internal environment affects the external. So for example, like our constant emotional states and, you know, how that's affecting your environment and the people around you. And, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't have these separations and they use these really beautiful analogies that because they needed a way to to teach the the beautiful medicine and then have it handed down for generations just you know to people like myself and now people like myself have to change that language and give it to the public so that you know you need to go home and you need to eat fermented foods as an example for gut microbiome you know whether you need to really get into dedicating yourself to you know maximizing your sleep cycles and not staying up to 1am on netflix so I take a lot of the old school knowledge or ancient knowledge or Eastern knowledge, and then I translate it for people so that they have a take home, which is often their homework. Yeah. And give people the why. I think a lot of people Absolutely. are motivated much more by the why. Yeah. Mm. So a classic one with that one would be like whole gluten-free. We know it can be inflammatory for a lot of people, not just if you have celiac. And I always give people an example of like, I'm not just going to tell you to cut the gluten. I'm going to tell you to cut the gluten because it's doing X amount to your specific individual case. And this is how it presents itself. And these are the outcomes that we want to see. You know, I won't leave it open-ended unless of course you have celiac. So it'll be like, cool, let's just, if you have endometriosis, let's get you gluten-free for at least 12 months because we want to stem the flow because we know it's inflammatory to the gut and the pelvic area. We know that it increases your blood flow. So there's there's a reason why. So that if a female is like, oh yeah, you know, so I should expect to see a lightening of the flow given this homework, I'd be like, hell yes. Along with everything else I'm doing, absolutely. And then we'll reintroduce it and see how your body tolerates it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that there's an end goal as well. That's always helpful. Um, absolutely yeah instead of just be all end all so how did you get into this how did you study this way back when well I started as as a naturopath so I was in high school I was always athletic and I thought you know just it's really it's actually really disappointing that in the normal schooling system you never hear about naturopathy you don't hear about nutrition you hear about dietetics you know dietitian you don't hear about acupuncture you hear about physiotherapy you know more of the mainstream options and it was just by chance someone's like oh have you heard of this thing called naturopathy so it's like did you just swear at me what (laughs) and they'd be like yeah well if you're into nutrition and you're into like holistic health then I was just like I think I would have been year 12 and you know you had to go to all these orientation days to see which uni you'd enjoy going and what the score was all that sort of jazz and they were like yeah it's really great you know, you look at things differently. It's kind of like doing, you know, dietetics, but, you know, there's a little bit of health medicine. You're looking at people's emotional states, their physical states, you know, how food affects their gut, how gut affects, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, because I was always in health. I was just like, cool, like whatever, let's just mm-hmm. do it. And to be completely honest, you know, I also wanted to go down the option of like physiotherapy or whatever, but, you know, the score that, that was needed to get in, I just couldn't be fucked. Plain and simple, I was like, yeah, no, it's just, even though I, I knew I could probably do it, I think the mindset I had when I was like, you know, 17, year 12, I was like, nah, nah, not for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked out really well. Quite so I went to this, um, you know, school called the Australian College of Natural Medicine that later turned into the Endeavour College of Natural Medicine and sort of heard what they had to say. And yeah, and then started. So I graduated school and then first year out, I went into naturopathy and I loved a lot of the nutritional components, a lot of the herbal components and the stuff that was they were teaching. But truth be told, I probably should have taken a gap year. And this is why I believe people should take a gap year. Cause I think, you know, going from 13 years of schooling, you know, from prep to 12 
and then going straight into a university degree. Um, I, just, I wasn't paying attention. You know, I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't, you know, and I just, I don't know if it was the way of the world that a lot of my teachers were like ridiculously boring and very monotoned. And that sort of put me off because I was like, yeah, this, this idea and this holistic approach is really, really cool. And I really want to be loving people. But right now I don't have the brain space. And so what I needed to, and the other thing is that nobody wants to be a poor student. I think it was really challenging to go to uni and, you know, struggle to pay for basic sort of necessities. It just felt like I was, you know, struggling all the time, which I hated, which was really stressful. So I did about, I think, two years of naturopathy, which was great. And then I was just like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think, I don't know if I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life. So I deferred, but before I did, I happened to encounter a student who was studying Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And I remember distinctly, as I was actually telling my wife this story yesterday, because she didn't even know this. She's like, I didn't, it was the person that you, you know, that fought you. And I said to him, his name was Ethan. I said, Ethan, I've heard that you guys can kill people with needles. So says Kung Fu movies. Is this true? And he laughed, of course, because mm-hmm. everyone asked me the same question. And I'm like, no, well, you can if you're stupid with needles, but you know, I was referring to specifically a movie called Kiss of the Dragon. And uh, he's like, no, not really. Um, he's like, you know, there's certain martial arts and blah, blah, blah. And he said, when it comes to acupuncture, it's about helping people and healing people. And all those secrets are just Hollywood. And I was like, yeah, well, tell me. So tell me how you, what is, what is so special about acupuncture and Chinese medicine that you're, you're studying it? And then he started to talk about it in this very, like, beautiful way. He's like, if someone comes in with, like, you know, back pain in sciatica, you can sort of take away their pain and sort of help them walk again and, you know, pain-free. If someone comes in with a gut issue, you can help them with their gut. If someone comes in with like a, you know, a post sort of stroke rehabilitation, there's a lot of cool things that we can do. And because I feel like I have like ADD and I get bored very easily, I'm like, this thing called acupuncture seems so versatile Mm -hmm. compared to say, you know, what I thought of naturopathy, and this doesn't mean that naturopathy is, is limited per se, but at that time I thought, well, you know, with naturopathy, I'm going to be doing like nutrition, herbal medicine and centered around, you know, sort of the gut and, you know, you know, autoimmune diseases. But if someone comes in and they have fallen off their balcony, there's not really much you can do versus in acupuncture, if they've sort of fallen off the balcony and they've, you know, sort of been patched up, but they go into a chronic pain sphere, go hate my life and work my ass off, which is what I did. And, you know, as I was taking that gap year to work, I was very, I went to go do odd jobs, work in factories, and I couldn't help be that person that was always talking about health everywhere I went. And I remember working in factories and the factory workers like, you don't belong here. And I meant it in a really sweet way. They're like, you don't belong here. You're too smart to be here. Clearly very passionate to, you know, you're always talking about health. You're always inspiring us. You're teaching us about, you know, Cause you know, obviously in factories, it's about like pies and, you know, McDonald's and stuff like that. And I'd be like, guys, look, you know, you know, that there's, you know, X, Y, Z, I was probably this really annoying guy, but they're just like, you just seem really passionate about helping people. And they were like, don't become us. Don't go into the, don't fall into the trap of, you know, getting a house loan, getting married, getting kids, and then being sucked into the rat race. And, you know, we've, we've now got to pay off school fees and we've got to pay off our mortgages and sort of we feel trapped and they're like you know if we could go back in time to your age and we were as passionate as you we would go back to uni and follow our passion and it was really interesting because it was multiple people in the factory that were a lot older than me telling me get the fuck out of here 
they were all feeling the passion that I had for health. And they're just like, get out of here. You're wasting your time. It's not worth the money, even though at the time it was good money. So I was like, fuck it. I'll give it one more crack. But if I get bored, I'm kind of screwed because there's no plan C. And uh, yeah, so I re-enrolled for the Chinese medicine mm. acupuncture course. And then, you know, here I am. I can't remember, but yeah, I've been practicing for 11 years now and I haven't regretted a day, you know, per se. There were some massive challenges while I've been in practice, but <laughs> I have overall enjoyed every single moment and I still don't get bored of it. You know, Chinese medicine, there are so many styles, just kind of like martial arts. There's so many teachers, there's so many professors, there's so many nuances to it, plus all the other holistic medicine stuff that I did in I'm really glad that I made that change because it's what I use on a day-to-day basis to help mm-hmm. and to facilitate That's beautiful. people's healing. I'm so glad you told that story. Thank you. It sounded really like you were guided by all these people <laughs> like to do exactly and be exactly who you are. It's um, yeah, I, it's, I'm not mm. a religious person per se, but the whole journey of my career, it actually has truly felt like something has had my back and I say something because I said I'm not religious and I don't like to put names to it but it's always felt like every step of the way because it hasn't always been easy as much as I tell people you know I love my career Mm -hmm. it's like I love my wife but she challenges me (laughs) so does my career like I love my career and has been you know I in my third year of practice I wanted to quit I was like I'm done because like everyone else that starts a business I wasn't you know, I have high expectations of myself and I wasn't, I wasn't where I thought I wanted to be. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't thriving like I thought I wanted to be. And the person that were, there was a clinic that I worked at, the particular senior practitioner made it her mission to make me the most insecure person in my practice and my physical appearance. And I was just like, yeah, there was, at this point I was just like, I was rocking up to the clinic having panic attacks, being anxious. I'd go home depressed. And I really had to have a good look at my career and be like, do I really want to feel this way about acupuncture and Chinese medicine and helping people? Do I really want to be rocking up and entering the room while my heart felt like it was like 150 beats per minute and I had to calm myself, you know, subconsciously in front of the client to just, you know, snap out of it really quickly. It was like three years of just constant anxiety because I was constantly criticized um, for not being good enough. And then I just happened to, like I said, along the way throughout my career, I just happened to reach out to certain people that became my mentors and they were amazing enough to mentor me like from a mindset perspective. And they're just like, that's not you. Stop wearing someone else's shit. Stop allowing yourself to take on someone else's projection of their view of the world, let them be them. And it's time for you to, you know, sort of come out and do your thing. And part of that was like having tattoos and, you know, I had like two earrings and stuff like that. And this particular practitioner was just like, you know, that's not the look. And that's part of what got me into women's health is that I was challenged by this individual when they, you know, sort of took me on in their clinic. And later on, they're like, Mm -hmm. the women will never come to you because of the way you look. They will be intimidated by you. Then you don't have the look, you know, people just won't pay for your service. And at the time, because this person was a, such a seasoned practitioner, I thought, wow, they they know what they're talking about. Maybe I'm not going to cut it. And then there was this little Mm. 
you know, it's like devil and angel on the shoulder. And there was this, this thing on my shoulder that was like, fuck them up. Just change your mind and show them what you're capable of. Not only show them what you're capable of, show them and then some. I don't know where it came from. And inside of me, you know, part mentoring, part this person that doesn't like to be told what to do, something came out. And all I, from there on, I was just like, watch me. Watch me and see what I will become and who I will become and who I'm going to help. And I will become an unstoppable force in the women's health sphere. And I was originally motivated. And then that motivation turned into inspiration because as soon as I put that energy and that frequency out into the world, as soon as I started hitting the books, paying for every seminar, webinar that I could get my hands on to learn everything I could from A to Z about women and their suffering and my medicine from Chinese medicine to naturopathy to nutritional medicine, everything I, I have dug into that many books and still have many books to dig into and courses to learn from. But at that point in time, I had this fire that was ignited. And I think people felt that. I think that the women started seeing my passion that was genuine for helping them. And then it became second nature because I started hearing those stories 11 years ago. And I was like, cool, I can't quit. I've got to keep going. I've, I've, I, if I have an ability to help people end suffering by teaching them, then I'm going to keep fucking doing it. That's so badass. I wouldn't expect anything less from you. <laughs> and like, what is life without challenges, <laughs> I guess? Like those things come up, came up probably for a reason so that you got that extra push, that extra drive. Those are exactly the questions I was going to ask you too. Like what challenges were there and did your tattoos and your, the look of you, not specifically your tattoos, but your look bring you challenges. But yeah, that's in insane that mm. like they reacted that way and they were so aggressive towards you. At the end of the day, like, I mean, even now I don't, I have gratitude and that's part of the mindset stuff that I've done because it's part of the stuff that I teach people. And I think if people, for people that are listening to this podcast, and I know some of my patients probably will, it will allow them to understand that when I give advice, it's because I've often been through it. You know, I mean, I've done the depression, I've done the anxiety, I've done the panic attacks, and I use natural methods to get myself out of it. It doesn't make me perfect. It doesn't mean like, you know, what we discussed before. It doesn't mean that I mm -hmm. haven't drunk my sorrows away, and I've also done that too, and I've buried my, my head in the sand. I've done all sorts of different things, but in the end, I, you know, don't know what happens. Like I said, I get that tap on the shoulder, take a step back and then ask myself, is this the person you want to be? Is this the person, is this the face, the foot forward that you want to bring to the world? Is this what you want to be remembered for? And then that switches my mind and I'm like, no, it's not. So who am I going to reach out to? You know, who am I going to ask for help? What book am I going to read? What course am I going to do? What healthy habit will I begin to implement? And yeah, I'd say it's really saved my career and saved my life in many instances by flicking that switch. Yeah, which no, of course I, I know is not. But you, it's like you have a purpose that lets you flip that switch, and I personally do experience that. So that I feel like does help me relate to you more. And and to be honest, your look helps us relate to you more. I reckon in this day and age, like, and the fact that you're imperfect. Because I look at you and I think you're perfect too, right? I'm like, he must go home and, you know, yeah, yeah. constantly no pain. And he's, you know, doing all his exercises and not drinking, <laughs> eating perfectly. But you don't. And it's 
but so what's amazing yeah, it's yeah, why yeah. you know yeah, why when you tell me what to do something I'm like okay well I'm gonna do it because he's right <laughs> well yeah and it's a lot of it's a lot of self-experiment like like whether it's the mental health stuff you know I have you know part of the reason I like helping women in the fourth trimester and you know people that are burnt out is because I learned another lesson in my career when my first son was born so he's now six and a half and he'll be seven this year so let's just say seven years back I burnt to the crisp I burnt so hard it was so painful <laughs> I didn't see what was coming and I remember my wife didn't my I was like so tired exhausted I was just pushing through every single day because of the sleep deprivation because you can read all these books about babies but really when they're here in this world it's a whole different fucking kettle of fish and you feel like burning yeah. all those books that you've read that told you to do you know xyz and, you know, I was, you know, drinking on weekends. I was, you know, training. I just, I was cooked. I was so badly cooked. And then I remember going to a colleague, doctor of mine and said, hey, can I get this blood work from A to Z? Because I'm like, here I am doing it for everyone else and interpreting it and, you know, optimizing mm -hmm. their health. And I feel like absolute fucking shit. And the <laughs> test came back and they were like red, red, <laughs> red, high, low, red. And I remember like showing my wife and, and I said, look, I'm not lying. Like she thought, you know, like, she's like, yeah, you know, whatever. He's just making it up like man flu, whatever. And I was like, no, this is like, and she's like, holy fuck, your biochemistry lies. And, you know, she doesn't understand it, but she saw the owls and the, you know, the H's and the reds. And she's like, the fuck is wrong with you? And I said, I'm burnt. I'm, I'm burnt out. So, you know, I invested a lot of time and a lot of money. And I would say it probably took me a whole year to get out of burnout. And the, I went to so many different naturopaths and just pretty much just everything under this herbalist everything i took raw herbs and concocted them and it took you know like 45 minutes and i would drink it and i would gag and i did everything i could to get out of it and that's what got me into things like you know i guess what people call like the biohacking industry so like red light therapy fasting breath work and again because i learned those things and i realized what works for me and i realized that you could give this advice. So for example, would be breath work. So a lot of people come to me or have seen other therapists and they talk about nervous system dysregulation and talk about, you know, the rat race and being in a, you know, fight and flight sympathetic state. And, you know, a big piece of advice that people get told oh, is yeah. meditate. And a lot of people can't breath meditate. Works. I can't meditate, right. you know, for too long. So I draw upon my journey of, of burnout and what works for me. And I tell people, you know, it could be as simple as put your feet up on the wall um, because just like CPR, it brings all the blood easily back to your heart. Your heart detects that, you know, the blood is rushing back to the heart quite easily. So it starts to put you into a parasympathetic state and it starts to slow down your heart rate. You can couple that with some, you know, two minutes of just simple box breathing, which is a four in, four out. And I tell my clients now, if you don't have two minutes to do that per day, mm -hmm. we have bigger issues. Because that's all it takes. The two minutes often turns into five minutes because people, you know, develop a habit. It becomes part of their ritual. And then the five minutes turns into 10 minutes. Me personally, I love going into an infrared sauna, putting on some like Alan Watts or some guided meditation for 15 minutes. It's sort of, I've got the infrared, you know, I've got the red light therapy in there. I'm sweating and I'm doing, you know, breath work and meditation all in the same go. And I do that two to three times a week and it lights me up, really offloads. And it's simple little things that I do for myself that I teach to people because it works. And I'm like, don't overwhelm yourself with this 20 minute a day meditation. Just start with two minutes, breathing, feet up on the wall. Yeah. 
that easy. I definitely find breath work the best way towards that too. Because if yeah, you can't focus on meditation. Breath work is it's interesting how it can be so overwhelming too that it brings up all these emotions in you. You can feel it like come up and like I've done breath work before where I've like cried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so many different but types it of just like releases so much as you're holding it all in. And yeah, like you said, it's so interesting when you recommend things because we because it's like we know how much you know you've learned and how like how this is your like world and how you've can back this up with science is what I'm trying to say and everything that you've studied and then when you tell someone to just do yeah. breath work you're like oh okay it actually is that easy and it's that based in everything that you've learned that it is actually correlated and I don't know there's so much weight to it when you offer it to someone to do <laughs> yeah and it's I'm, I'm all about building good foundations or reteaching people how to build good foundations because let's be honest people are sick of taking yeah. 15 supplements you know what I mean? As their protocol, as they're like, you know, they've been told, yeah, this is what you've got to do and take to get to, you know, your, I mean, in rare cases, maybe some people might need those 15 supplements, but, you know, people come to me and they are on 10, I've seen up to 25 supplements on a person's list. It's ridiculous. Mm. And my first question is, tell me about your breakfast. And it's just, there is no breakfast. They eat whatever. And I'm like, a supplement is there to supplement something that is missing that needs to be fixed first, whether that's breath work, like breathing, so that we're not breathing from our neck and our chest that puts us in a sympathetic state, whether it's, yeah, it's whether it's having protein in the morning to balance your blood sugar levels, having your cider vinegar, these are foundational things. And then once we've got your foundational sort of your nutrition, your breath work, circadian rhythms, you know, sleep habits, sleep hygiene, once we've got all your ducks in a row, mm. your supplements will work so much better and you can minimize them. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of my patients aren't even on supplements because when we have intervened with these foundational things, they're like, whoa, I didn't realize that, you know, having sufficient breakfast that, you know, in the morning is really going to set me up energetically for the rest of the day. I didn't realize that, you know, cutting the booze or reducing alcohol or, uh, you know, in including more veggies. Yeah. Seems like stupid, but that's literally what we do or I do, which is coaching people and again, not judging them. And, you know, I get people to do food diaries and I'm like, I want to see what you eat. I want to see how you skip breakfast or skip meals, you know, because I think fasting can be absolutely amazing, but some people have the wrong idea about fasting. So a lot of people go into fasting with the idea of the yeah. goal of weight loss. And I'm like, you're just trying to starve yourself. That's all you're trying to do. There are so many benefits to it. But anyway, I walk all my patients through the simplest of things for them to build that, you know, it's kind of like an investment. It's an investment in yourself. It has a compounding effect that is short-term and long-term. And we can often wean you off mm -hmm. a lot of supplements yeah. and sometimes yeah. even medication. And yeah, I remember actually when I did it and we were changing my sleep patterns and I was like, awake at like 6 a.m. And I was like ready to go for like an hour walk. <laughs> I was so excited for the day. And before that, yeah, it was like three coffees a day. And it's amazing. I didn't actually know that you had anxiety and things like that. So was that the only time you had anxiety? Or were there like other times where you went through mindset roadblocks before you ended up finding those those other people in business that were helping you through that? Um, I have been lucky that yeah. you know, we're we're I mean, I think everyone has anxiety. But I think, you know, it can be momentary. It can be sort of, uh, you can be very functional with it. But when it starts to affect your quality of life, and for me, 
that was in the beginning of my career because of you know like I said how I was made to to feel yeah I found that yeah quite, yeah like I said I, like I said I can it's just like it was yesterday I remember walking up to the clinic door and stopping and having to breathe because the moment I walked through that door my heart would go crazy so I would have to just control my thoughts and control my thinking and you know my palms would be sweaty and yeah and then I'd have to snap out of it to a certain degree when I was then you know talking to my patients and and I found that quite debilitating because I'd go home like extra exhausted and you know like exhaustion would lead to terrible thinking because you know you'd be like am I good enough should I be doing this you know maybe I'm not that smart maybe I'm not intelligent all those thoughts because you're at your lowest and by the time you get to the end of the day you feel like shit so you make poor choices and it was a it was a pretty long battle but you know you know as part of the burnout as part of this whole mental health thing I'm always a big advocate of people getting treatment you know whether it be a psychologist uh, you know for me it was you know what what works really well for my body is the acupuncture um, and other therapists and I thought you know what I need to really start you know helping people but also knowing when to reach out for help and I you know and stop suppressing the stuff and stop thinking that I can always just nut it out and figure it out myself and that made a huge difference because like I said I was getting the perspective of other professionals from different industries and they were giving me their advice which would alleviate my thinking and then one of my mentors who's very passionate about mental health and the psycho-emotional realm like he just completely changed my mindset and He's like, you should really read this book. You should really listen to this mm-hmm. clip. On top of his own therapy, so he was an acupuncturist as well. And I would listen and I'd be like, yeah, because I want to be better. I don't want to rock up to work anxious. I don't want to get panic attacks anymore. I don't want to be depressed on the weekend, questioning my abilities come Sunday night because I'm going to flick over to Monday and you know have those panic attacks. And my wife was, you know, that I think that's part of what really allowed our relationship to flourish at the time because she was my rock in my support network she was watching me and she would just always get Mm. so pissed off when I came home because you don't want to know that someone else is controlling or manipulating or making your loved one feel a certain way and you know watching them go downhill and sort of feel helpless I guess from her and like you know what do I say to my partner what pep talk do I give him and yeah, she was just extremely supportive, but you know, she wasn't going to be the one to help me per se. Her support was enough, but yeah, all the different therapists that I saw that were of natural medicine really got me out of it. And I did a lot of the work and really started re- reading a lot of mindset books. You know, I, there's people like Dr. Joe Dispenza that I still recommend. And I think his work is phenomenal. That really made me change the way I was thinking as well. So there's people out there that I've read about and and learned from that have really changed my trajectory in my yeah, career and yeah, Dr. Joe Dispenza is one of them. That's incredible and it just makes me think about how um yeah well you're saying like acupuncture you can treat even the emotions with the acupuncture. I remember you helping me when you know the tragedy ha- tragedy happened with my mum and like you treated me for grief and it was so mm. interesting and I actually still think what you did mm-hmm. when we were treating my body somehow that helped me process like my anxiety that I had and because like a couple of years later, not not long ago, like a year ago, I f- fully kind of let go of my like crippling anxiety. And I feel like that was that whole journey of like, okay, get it kind of out of your body, move it out of your body with everything that I was learning and doing. And then eventually it kind of fully let it go. And I feel like I can say fully let it go because on the other side of it was like all this fear and like all the numbness from the anxiety went away and just wanted to 
like yeah you helped me with that but I wanted that's why I wanted to kind of dig into how you did it for yourself and yeah it's very much yeah mind body kind of thing um it's really fascinating yeah thanks for going 100% and it's something that people don't um don't understand again about the the potential of what acupuncture does because you know 5,000 years ago there was no like um there was no sort of division per se of you know the the Chinese herbalist or the the acupuncturist mm-hmm. or the Chinese doctor was was the doctor that's who you went to and so they you know did something called bone setting which is like modern day chiropractics where they would do adjustments they did the needling they did the herbal medicine they you know, got rid of your parasites, they got rid of your gut, and there was a spiritual aspect to it as well. So, you know, people were going through grief and there were, you know, throughout time, people were like, cool, we can needle this particular acupuncture point if someone's going through grief. Um, if someone comes in and their language and body language shows you that there's a lot of anger, you can disperse that emotion so it has less of a physiological impact. And I do it all the time. People come in with you know, they're highly irritable, um, very angry, very agitated one week out from their periods. And we can shift that emotion. So there's not as much of a physical effect on them. And at the same time, they can often go home and feel a quantifiable difference that even their partner will notice. Their partner will be like, you know what? There's such a change in your emotion pre-period that I'm going to keep paying for your appointments. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, um, and it's people, yeah, and it's not just the anger, it's the grief, it's the sadness, it's the vulnerability. Sometimes people have to have um, a moment in my room and cry, and that's part of the process of letting go and being facilitated. And it's the acupuncture and the discussion that facilitates that and gives them that that safe space to release those emotions. And people, and it's not to say we're psychologists. I think for me personally, if I felt like someone needed more help from professional you know again i have the referrals and like cool i really want you to go see person xyz but um people come to me all the time for nervous system related issues where their emotional state is affecting their nervous system and it's playing out in you know fatigue or headaches or migraines um so yeah we can need all the trigger points and you know if it's a headache but we can get down to a, a more deep you know what is the root cause of that what is the what is the constant emotion yeah. that you're holding that is affecting your quality of life yeah and we can incredible. help you process that it's so cool i just yeah cool. the holistic aspect <laughs> of it, absolutely incredible um and i didn't know that that they did that back in the day the chiropractic and everything was there ever a time do you know if like they were considered witches or anything like you know in western worlds that happened but maybe in china it just like was just so accepted um yeah i mean there's heaps of stories about the doctors and that you know former like sort of emperors and stuff like that weren't sort of fond of um you know i know now i'm probably going to bastardize a lot of these stories but you know from what i was told from my current mentor um so i now practice a very very if you you know an extremely gentle type of acupuncture called um, japanese acupuncture which is based on you know some old school books and um and part of the style involves something called like rice grain moxa, which is mm. like this little herb that we roll up and it looks like a rice grain. And, um, and then we sort of burn it on people for multiple different reasons. And that little rice grain technique uh, was born because supposedly in Japan, um, oh, wow. they banned acupuncture for a hundred years. So the, I think from what I was told, the monks were 
um, were sort of healing people and, you know, a lot of society would turn to monks and sort of because of their knowledge base, they became a little bit too powerful. So the emperor at the time was just like, uh, yeah, no. So we're going to, it will be banned and illegal for you guys, you know, with the consequence of death. So the monks or whoever it was, then we're like, cool, we're going to use this really cool herb that we are going to turn into a rice grain and then we're going to continue to, then it was highly refined for a hundred years until whatever happened and they got their needles back. Um, and then we have a lot of, um, in China, a lot of books that were burnt um, as well, which is unfortunate. So, you know, people have been threatened by the medicine. Um, and even today, let's just, you know, if we talk about modern day, a lot of people are so dismissive of the medicine that they have absolutely mm-hmm. fuck all understanding about it, which really pisses me off. And, you know, so if we talk about dry needling as an example, you know, I'm a fan of dry needling in the sense that, um, yes, it does make it really confusing for people, mm-hmm. but I dry needle people if it's indicated um, in the sense that if I see that it's the the style that you need compared to, say, my gentle Japanese, and I'm going to go use the right tool for the right case. I'm not going to, you know, um, be stubborn about it. But I think a lot of people that use dry needling, other therapists can be very dismissive of acupuncture and be like, yeah, well, we do an evidence-based dry needling, trigger point therapy, and what they do is, yeah. you know, chi and meridians and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's that is the language that we're taught. So we can do some really cool stuff like the whole fertility endometriosis. But when we put a needle that stimulates the fascia, that then triggers the autonomic nervous system to go into that parasympathetic state, which is very important, which is probably why people sleep, or the fact that we have we can put certain needles that have a profound effect on inflammatory molecules. So overall, it has a systemic global anti-inflammatory effect on people. That stuff isn't wishy-washy. You can go on PubMed and look at, you know, research acupuncture, you know, uh, cytokine. So for example, like interleukin-6, you can see that it releases endorphins. You can see that it um, modulates histamine. It does so many different cool things. It's just that people... Who has the time to go look at acupuncture research if you're not an acupuncturist? A lot of the things that people look at um, or sort of speak about acupuncture is just based on just rubbish. And that's why I'm passionate about connecting with um, other professionals. So I treat doctors and I treat physios and I treat chiros. And then it gives me the opportunity as well to say, yeah, cool. Because they're always very curious. And they're like, how are you helping me? Can you explain to me what the mechanism is? And I'm always like, in their ear talking about all the Western applications of what we're doing in their treatment has a real world application and can often be researched. We can't explain everything, but we can explain a lot. And that's what my Instagram is about. When people do see the images of acupuncture or electroacupuncture in particular, it's educating people on Mm. the profound power of acupuncture. Because I always say to people, you don't know what you don't know. If I'm not talking about it, if someone else is not talking about it in the form of a podcast and educating people on the emotions, the inflammation, the effects on cytokines, the effects on gut microbiome, the histamine modulation, then, then yeah. how are you supposed to know? You don't. So being on a podcast like this and telling people that there are real Western applications of acupuncture um, and then using my Instagram is you know, also part of what I'm passionate about because I think that when people you know, get sick or are post-viral with like a chronic fatigue or have like sciatic pain or whether they have like jaw pain or 
fertility or reproductive issues, I want mm-hmm. people to be like, ding, acupuncturist. I don't want them to be like, oh, I fucking failed everything else. I think mm-hmm. I'll try that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try that modality. Yeah, we need more information about it because, yeah, so many people bring up these things that I know that you help with. And I'm like, acupuncture, acupuncture, like acupuncture for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. But um, yeah, absolutely. I suppose then if someone were to find, like, try to find an acupuncturist, because I have tried after you and I, because I've been in different states than you. And so, like, how could we find a good acupuncturist? Mm. Is there any questions we can ask people? like the acupuncture store or the office or anything potentially to get someone that actually kind of does it on more of a holistic level. Cause I've found there's some either use the really harsh needles or, you know, they not as interested as you are in like the holistic kind of aspect of it. So. It's <laughs> a good question. <sighs> it's a good question. And it's a hard one because, you know, normally I would say, you know, have a, um, have a look at their website and see if it, you know, mm-hmm. aligns with their Instagram and sort of vice versa. Um, you can ask, you can, you know, potentially ask what style of acupuncture they practice. So sometimes they'll be like, yeah, we do electro, we do Japanese, we do Korean, we do whatever, um, you know, versus, you know, they might be like, yeah, we, we sort of just practice the traditional Chinese style. So that might be one way in which people, can have a look but look i mean that's the beauty of social media a lot of the times you can probably pop on and this isn't the be all end all like i wouldn't just trust social media this is a bad idea but you you know if there's a if you do a a google search and and you want to know more about that clinic usually social media is where it's at of course you can miss plenty of clinics because they can't be fucked with social media i don't want to play that game so as i said don't use that but yeah you'll see their content you'll see what they're passionate about. You'll see what they're posting about, what they're talking about, whether it's educational. Um, and then, you know, sort of go to their websites. And then from there, you can sort of, um, you know, create a couple of questions and you call the clinic and be like, hey, I've noticed, you know, your Instagram or your, you know, website says this. And, you know, sort yeah. of can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, blah, 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 and sort of take it from there. But it's hard. It, it is really much a roll of the dice. And just like any modality, there's really good acupuncturists mm. and there's yeah. really terrible ones so um sometimes it's just going to be a, a bit of a roll of the dice and you'll know the moment you step in there like you can have someone that's really skilled as an example like you know with the needle or whatever but they're very egotistical you know that happens if you step in the room and you feel uncomfortable and you just don't gel um then that's a, a pretty big clue you can be as skilled as you want but if you, do, you don't have really good table side manners um, if energetically the person doesn't seem authentic or like they're operating from a mode of like integrity, um, then, you know, go with your gut. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, um, I agree. Don't I went to one therapy. and he seemed fine. They seemed fine. And then they just left me in the room after. And then that was the whole end of the session. Like I was just laid there for it. And I was like, that was weird. <laughs> and it was, and it really hurt when they needled me. But um, is there like, specific so would it be like japanese acupuncture you'd recommend or the traditional chinese acupuncture you'd recommend or well it's my answer is going to be biased so the reason i prefer the traditional japanese is that i found that with the work i do personally it's yeah it's really gentle you know what i mean it really takes away from the fear the anxiety of you know whether it's people have had a flu vaccine and they felt the corkage there's the needle concept there whether they've had dry needling and they felt it really, you know, yeah. really uncomfortable or whether they just don't like needles in general. I mean, I've had people 
um, I've had people in my clinic that literally burst into tears before I've even touched them. And it's because they're shitting their pants and I'll coach them through it. And I'll be like, what's wrong? And they're like, oh, the previous clinic really hurt. Or, you know, I had this incident with dry needling and it just, you know, made everything worse. It really hurt. And the person didn't listen and they just kept going. And, um, and that's what the Japanese style allows me to do where, you know, when I needle them, I'm, you know, they're just, <laughs> you can just see their face like is that it like you know I've been crying in front of you you know shitting my pants and then that's it and they minimal discomfort if at all yeah maximum effect with the the classical Japanese but I, again I, I think that all the different styles that I use because I've got so many different styles that I've trained under mm-hmm. and I think they all have their place but you know from a from a fear, from a comfort perspective, yeah, the Japanese is like super, you know, for anyone that's listening, that's just like, I'm so afraid, you know, these big fucking needles that you see on Hollywood or they've had a bad dry needling experience or a bad experience with another acupuncturist, Japanese is where it's at from a like pain-free, comfortable, and you'll get all the same effects as any other system mm, um, without yeah. any of the discomfort. Is there any difference? Can I ask them what like gauge needle they use or anything? Because I know that you use gentle needles. <laughs> yeah you can definitely um you can definitely ask them so i think you know anything like 0.25 and above is getting quite thick and you would use so more for like the sports acupuncturist so it's going to be thicker because you know you do have to generally penetrate muscle tissue that you want the needle to be quite strong and stable um the gauge I personally use the majority with the Japanese is, is known as a 0.14. So for those that are extra phobic, I'll, you know, because every now and then I'll get like a 14, 15 year old female for period pain that's just started their period and they're sort of afraid. And I'll just show them how flimsy and, you know, how, how thin it is. And like I said, I'll coach them through it. And they just, they just amaze as to how comfortable it is. And like you said before, like majority of them completely pass out from the relaxation, the comfort, and I'll come back and they're snoring yeah, or they're drooling or they're coping in their sleep. Um, I love that. Okay, great. So that's what I'm going to be asking now. Um, <laughs> I know that you kind of have to go, so maybe we'll wrap up things. I have a couple questions left, just like, love, yeah, that's all right. Okay, I'd just love to dig into like, yeah, what is your vision for your future, for the clinic, for what you do and everything like that? Um, I want to build a team of equally passionate people who are ready to help me help more people because I'm just one person. And, um, you know, what I do isn't for everyone. And that's absolutely fine. Sometimes people just, they want to do more than women's health or whatever else. But, you know, my vision for myself and my clinic is to end as much suffering for women as humanly possible before I leave this world. And to do that, it's going to be some external practitioners that, um, you know, I work with and, you know, I would love to build it. I don't know why the number five comes to me, but I'm included in the five, but the number five is, you know, so there'll be four other um, beautiful practitioners. So I've got another one. So there's, there's essentially in my vision, there's three more spots left for people to come on board, whether they are an osteopath or a massage therapist or whatever it is that they, they do, they're equally as passionate and, and sort of we have this family that you know work for my practice and we have that family vibe where people come in and they're like yeah you know I'm going to see Peter or I'm going to see you know Emma or I'm going to see Jenny or I'm going to see you know Tom and these people really 
it's the space to go to to get the answers that you need with the common everyday suffering of women and you know hormones and reproductive mm-hmm. health and just general pain so yeah yeah i just really want to take my clinic yeah, to the women's next health has been ignored for so long thank you that would be that'd be wonderful um so we need an emma oh, and tom to apply so anyone available <laughs> yeah head to really high it's queensland <laughs> shoot me an email um, are you gonna maybe open any other clinics other places like perth because i want one here <laughs> yeah that i think um the the hardest part about running a business is creating systems create like creating the vision of of having those people and then um how to manage those people you know how to keep them motivated how to you know sort of keep them um you know working from the mindset of like don't worry about the money the money will come focus on the people focus on your craft and i think once i learned to manage um, and then there's also a lot of work on my um, self to do that, yeah. which is just the let go, you know what I mean? Just let go and let, let it flow and let people do their own thing. And, um, you know, understand that some people will be with me for X amount of time. And then some people will have to, you know, just leave and do their own thing. But yeah, I think once I've got all those systems in place and the ability to, um, you know, I guess hire the right people, keep the right people, then I will take that method and uh, replicate it and be like, cool, well, there's a HMHB, you know, an X place. And then, yeah, just just take it from there, really. Yeah, Baby steps yeah, I agree. without burning um, yourself out. Yeah, and what you're saying about business when you were like the first three years and you're like, I had all these high expectations to, about myself, like for myself, and then I almost quit. I think that's every business owner. It's just like, you reach that point where you're like, I just need to quit. This is not doing it exactly how I want it to. And I'm just glad you pushed through that. But um, the the systems are the hardest. I've actually been learning how to run an empire in case you want any tips. <laughs> so we can help you run some systems, yeah. but yeah. Um, potentially. But yeah, it is really hard to wrap your brain around letting people do things in a different way, but it's still working and it's still being kind of in congruency with what you you want it to be mm. so I'm excited to see that happen yeah that's what I want to say um Thank so you. at the end, end of every episode I ask everyone what's one piece of advice or inspiration you'd like to leave our listeners with <laughs> one piece of advice or inspiration You know what, to be like, it would be the advice that I give people, which is semi morbid. Nobody's life is guaranteed. Make sure that you live every day as passionately as possible and wake up grateful because of that reason. I'm lucky enough to not have lost anyone, but have seen many people lose people. And that's always a reality check. So for me, it's like, stop wasting your time doing the things that you hate stop wasting your time doing the jobs that don't light you up um hang around the people that bring you joy and put you in that flow state because you only get one life and that might be a week that might be a year and the reality is that we don't know so if we can flick our mindset to simply be grateful every single day and before you go to bed and hang out with the right people and pursue your dream Beautiful. And that's all that matters. I couldn't have put that any better. I think about that all the time. <laughs> Incredible. Thank you. And mm. 
I feel like that ties back to what you do, you know, get rid of your chronic pain if you need to, to live in that gratitude because, you know, to finally live in that moment because that's a big distractor. Mm. Um, so I think if you've been putting it off for a long mm -hmm. time, then maybe now is the time to start. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, for our listeners, of course, I'd love, you know, where can they find you online, your incredible business? Yeah, so the, the Instagram is Holistic Minds, <laughs> Holistic Bodies, which is a mouthful. Um, but the website is a lot easier, which is just an abbreviation, which is hmhb.com.au. And then people can reach out for appointments. Um, there's an online booking system. Um, sometimes people ask me questions online as far as like Instagram. But a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the content, you know, I recommend people go on Instagram because I'm pretty consistent. You know, like I said, I'm pretty passionate about bringing information out there. People can read things that are so actionable, you know, whether it's, you know, gut stuff, hormone stuff you know every single week there's something there for people to apply mm -hmm. um, and yeah that's something the best word for it actionable you have a lot of that like go on his instagram and scroll back there's so much information there um, yeah that's how i found mm. you too and Absolutely. and i think we said this off air though that you got me on instagram i remember you were running a business when i wasn't and you were like only on instagram and i was like that's weird <laughs> and now i'm only on instagram but mm. yeah amazing and that's pretty much it. I'm very inspired by what you do. Thank you so much for sharing it. And I'm, I'm hopeful that this will help more people, you know, look into acupuncture or if, even if you're unsure, just go onto the Instagram, learn more about it. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. And yeah, have a really good day. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would absolutely love it. If you join me on Instagram, I'd love to connect in the DMs and chat all things transformation. Hear some of your stories, your journey. It would be so, so cool. It would also mean the world to me if you did just click the little follow bell on Spotify or head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a quick review. With your help, we can help more people feel the incredible depths of transformation through stories and teachings shared here. And, you know, please remember, you can do anything you hear here too. It is not for just other people to do. You can do it too. Thank you so much, gorgeous soul. See you on the next episode.